All right. So welcome to those who are listening online this morning. And to all you in the room, let's get into the word for today. Everyone chatting, chatting, chatting away. Uh, If you're joining us on the podcast or online or from another place, welcome to you. Cam's going to read from, uh, for us from the Gospel of Mark this morning, um, chapters 10 and 11. Thanks, Cam. So Mark chapter 10, verse 46, 52. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, Enter it. You will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing, untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments all over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Praise God in highest heaven! So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for... The time that we have together this morning to open up your word passed down to us through the centuries, the millennia, um, so readily accessible to us to read, to reflect on, to meditate on, and most importantly, to, uh, to have the gift of your Holy Spirit to speak to us through these words. We uh, ask, Father, this morning that our hearts would be open, that our hearts would be soft uh, to be able to accept and to, to receive what you have to give us this morning. Would you reveal something of yourself to us uh, in this next little while, Father God? Show us your love for us. Show us your heart for us and for this world. We commit this time to you and 
pray, Lord, that you would speak to us clearly as our hearts, ears, and minds are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had an opportunity in front of you that was exciting and full of potential, but simultaneously scary and full of risk? Ever experienced that? Maybe it was an opportunity to step into a new phase of life where a dream might come true and it might be a step towards something beautiful and full of joy, but it also might backfire and result in pain and loss. You ever experienced one of those decisions, one of those moments? We face, I think, we face these moments in our lives all the time. Some are a lot smaller than others. It might just be the decision of, do I order the steak like usual, or do I try that item on the menu that I can't pronounce the name of and sounds a little bit exotic and like an adventure? Uh, Or it might be a much bigger decision with much bigger implications, like do I stay in the secure but mundane job, or do I pursue my passion? knowing that that might cost me in a number of ways. Uh, I believe that following Jesus, that seeking for our lives to be like his, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, as we say at this church, that involves these moments of opportunity, these decisions that involve risk but might lead to life lived more fully. I would call them, and I'm going to call them today, threshold moments. And Jesus himself faced these moments. He faced these opportunities where uh, he had to make a decision. And he created these moments for his followers time and time again. And we can learn, I think, how to identify and respond to these threshold moments in our own lives and how to do that as we observe how Jesus approached them. And that's what I want to talk about today from these passages that we've read. What we read today, a little bit of context and information here, was we read a tra- uh, uh, two passages which are a transition from the second scene of Mark's Gospel. We can't all see this, but this is a sort of a chart of Mark's Gospel, the account of Jesus' life written by a guy called John Mark. Uh, we, we move from the second scene, the middle part, to the third scene, the ending part. This is about what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah, and then when we go into the tri- triumphant entry, that kicks off the final phase. So now we're on the home stretch, which is about how Jesus becomes king. The story of, and and we've been, if you've just joined us, we've been moving all the way through Mark's gospel from chapter one, and then we're now on the home stretch. Um, The story of blind Bart, as we'll call him, is, uh, is the only time Jesus is referred to as the son of David in Mark's gospel. And so this serves as a bit of a lead-in to where he's approaching Jerusalem, which is the city of David. And uh, David, if you don't know, was this sort of central Jewish figure, um, a king, he was, and he, he was instrumental in building the temple. The temple in Jerusalem is essentially the place where heaven and earth were considered to touch, God, the dwelling place of God's presence. That was what the temple was considered to be. And what we're going to see in the coming weeks when we continue on in this final scene of the whole story is Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem shaking things up just a bit. He actually says that he comes to announce a new temple, a new way God's presence is going to be housed on the earth. 
And this is not going to go down well at all if you consider the importance of the temple to the Jewish people in Jerusalem. We know what happens. They murder him for it. He's that unpopular with what he declares. He's not exactly the people's choice in Jerusalem. So when I read this, the question I had to ask was, all right, if he's not the people's choice in Jerusalem by any means, what is going on in this procession where he's treated as a king? And this is an allusion to all sorts of Old Testament prophecies, especially Zechariah 9, where the king comes in on a donkey. And Jesus has has wanted this. He he said, go get the donkey for me. It's a self-proclamation. I am the Messiah. And everybody there agrees. They celebrate him. They almost worship him. You are the king. You are the Messiah. So why a few days later are they shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him? Have you ever wondered that? How did it change so quickly? Why are they shouting a totally different thing a few days later? Well, in short, they are not shouting that. This procession into Jerusalem would be better titled as the triumphant approach to Jerusalem, not the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Because those who are celebrating him and honoring him, almost worshipping him, are the Galileans. The people from Galilee around Jerusalem, and they have heard his teaching and seen his miracles. They're not the ones who live in Jerusalem. It's a different crowd of people. So this Galilean crowd completely affirm him, whereas the Jerusalem crowd will mock, mock, reject, beat, and murder him. So do you see how this is a threshold moment for Jesus? A decision he has to make. He has already said to his disciples that he knows what's coming. He knows he's not going to receive the same welcome in Jerusalem where they celebrate him and affirm him. You are the king. So he has a choice. Does he stay in the place where everything is great? Everything, everyone loves him. There's no danger Or does he step into the purpose that God has for him, which involves pain and rejection and even death? Which does he do? Does he stay where it's all good or does he move forward, knowing God's calling him there? In John's Gospel, Jesus says at this time in this scene, in John's account, he says, My soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? He's wrestling with it. It's a hard decision. It's a threshold moment for him. So what we want to ask is, over the course of this year, we've been doing this as much as we can, and Aaron did it brilliantly last week. Ask the question, what does it mean? What does it look like to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to follow after Jesus in his ways and his works? It means, in this case, that we don't just follow the way God has laid out for us to the point where we are affirmed and celebrated and uh, supported and safe, and then stop there. To follow Jesus is to keep following, despite the cost, despite the risk, even into the places where we might feel alone, even into the places where we might be rejected and persecuted, even into our Jerusalem, if you like. It means that we don't avoid these threshold moments that are put in front of us in our walk with God and say, you know what, I can't go any further. 
When God lays before us an opportunity that involves risk and pain and even sacrifice, we, we are to trust God that if it's his purpose for us, then on the other side of that sacrifice will be new life and new hope. And Jesus was able to make this decision to step forward into Jerusalem because at the end of that was a victory. And so it means that we don't avoid these things. We wrestle with God, absolutely. And we go, God, can we do it any other way? But still step through those moments nonetheless as we trust God. I had the privilege yesterday of, um, of, of conducting a funeral for uh, the family. This was a moment, among other things, this, this, this service was a moment to entrust their father and their husband um, and friend to others into the hands of God. It was a letting go. For some people, that moment of, of letting go of a loved one uh, or their own life comes before death, not at a funeral, but before death, accepting that for them or their loved one, it's time to stop fighting. It's time to, to allow God to let them pass through death and into his hands. Um, Despite the pain and the loss that comes with that, because it's, that is huge, very real. And there's a, there's a letting go. And the, these are some of the toughest threshold moments. These are some of the biggest ones that we face in our life or the lives of our loved ones. Following Jesus is about these threshold moments, the big ones and the small ones. Not just letting go of someone, but things like the decision to get up 15 minutes before the kids to have some quiet time with God. It's a decision, a moment. Right through the decisions to leave a job or a house or a relationship, a loved one. Decisions to say yes to God, even if we're not sure of the outcome. Yes, God. I don't know what it's going to mean altogether, but I'll say yes. I think what makes them its especially hard, and it's not just to kind of grit our teeth and say, come on, we've got to say yes, but to recognize the difficulty of these. What makes them especially hard and what we learn from the story of, of Jesus in Mark 11 is that there's often so many people encouraging you to stay back, to step back and stay where you are. Then there are people encouraging you to step through into the unknown where God is. How many people, when you enter your workplace on a Monday morning, say, hey, uh, friend, how's, how was your weekend? Where was God involved in it? How did you experience the presence of God as you worshipped together with the community of faith on Sunday? Were you encouraged? What's the Lord saying to you? Where is he leading? How many people in your workplace say that first thing Monday morning? I mean, unless you work with Christians, but even then, it's it may not necessarily happen. How many people are saying to you, oh, you're thinking of selling your house and quitting your job and moving to Thailand to serve the poor. That sounds like a wonderful way to ensure your superannuation is healthy for a comfortable retirement. It's, it's just, you know, people aren't sitting there encouraging us, oh yeah, you should follow God, you should follow God. Most people are subtly saying, not in these exact words, but subtly saying, don't risk it all for Jesus. Come on. Don't waste your time with, with church. I mean, there's so many more wonderful things you could do on a Sunday morning. What, what, don't, don't make unnecessary sacrifices. I don't say them in that, those exact words, but it's all the way through the values of 
this world and our culture. The Australian dream or whatever dream you were sold growing up and, and, and where you've come from. And so it's tough because nobody wants to go against the grain. We kind of want to go with the flow. And especially if you've got a crowd of people like Jesus did, cheering you on, why step into your Jerusalem, that hard place, if God's calling you there? Why step into that when it, you would, might replace celebration and affirmation with ridicule and pain? Well, it's a hard choice. I think there's a really interesting parallel between uh, the threshold movement that Jesus faced about to step into J Jerusalem and the story of blind Bart. I'll just call him Bart for short, Bartimaeus. The story of that that comes immediately before. This guy was a blind beggar from birth. Uh, the crowd of people are telling him as he's shouting, they're telling him, don't go against the grain. You're a beggar, man. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Just, just shh. But it's amazing how things shift when Jesus responds and says, look, tell Bart to come here. They all change their attitude. Come on, get up. Jesus is calling you. Be happy, man. But it didn't start there, did it? That wouldn't have happened, the encouragement of the crowd to go to Jesus, if he hadn't first been willing to cut through the criticism and reach out to Jesus. On his own. And if you're a follower of Jesus and are following Jesus, you have those threshold moments time and time again, these decisions. Listen to the critic or reach out to Jesus. Listen to the critic or reach out to Jesus. And sometimes the critic's not a critic but a crowd. A crowd who are subtly saying, don't, don't go against the grain, mate. Don't go. Just go with the flow. Stay in that comfort. But as he reaches out, Bart does something. He throws aside his cloak. And this, uh, the commentators all agree, this is a symbolic thing that happens and that Mark includes. He, he throws aside his cloak. And this is symbolic of, of uh, following Jesus. I wish I had a, had a cloak of some kind, but that's right. Um, it's, it's a leaving behind of your old place of comfort and security and trusting Jesus for what next. What's next? Remember, this guy, Bartimaeus, is still blind. It's not like, oh, I can see now. I don't need my beggar's cloak anymore. He's, he's going to Jesus, still in darkness, trusting that Jesus has what he needs for him to no longer require that old place of comfort and security, that old cloak. And this parallels the threshold moment Jesus faces. Jesus will have to leave behind the place of safety and affirmation if he's to step into the place God is calling him. And he has to trust that on the, on the other side of darkness is new life and new hope. And so I want to ask this morning, what is your cloak? What is your place of, of comfort of security, of, of familiarity, the thing that you've always known. Because sometimes we need to be willing to leave that aside, place that aside, leave it behind to follow Jesus. We, we all have cloaks of various kinds, that, the things that need to be cast aside because they aren't compatible with the next place that God is calling us to step into. Uh, and, and that could be anything. 
It could be dependence on something other than Jesus himself. It could be uh, uh, a relationship. It could be money. It could be status, material things, anything. Anything that we, we depend on. And Jesus said, you know what? To step into the next place, you need to lay that aside. It could be uh, a Christianity that's based more on a fear of the world than a desire to transform it. That can be something we may need to leave aside if we really trust Jesus and walk with him. It might be a contentment just with ordinary life. So let's be honest, just ordinary, nothing too much to get in our way, just go with it. That's easy. It's comfortable. But it's not the abundant life that Jesus came to give. I think for me, uh, as I was thinking about this, so what's, what's my cloak often that I need to throw aside when, I, when Jesus is calling me to follow him? I think um, often for me, it's the things I want to do that uh, I know it's just me and not what God is asking of me. It's just my own little dreams and desires. Um, there's so many things that uh, from time to time I kind of think, I'd love to have a go at this. Um, and I would if I wasn't prioritizing the things that God has said is important to me, ministry and family and whatnot. Um, I reckon I could put a pretty sweet band together and uh, write some great songs about Jesus that are cool and uh, just tear it up on the Christian music scene in America. I reckon, I reckon I'd like to do that. Might be exaggerating my ability just a little. But um, I, I mean, why not? That'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be exhilarating. Um, most recently, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but it uh, helps the point of the sermon. Um, my, my most recent dream was to, was to go on The Voice, get Guy Sebastian as my coach, and slowly woo him back to Christianity for all of Australia to see. Because um, he used to be a Christian and he kind of lost his faith. So um, I thought that was a good idea for a while, um, until I sort of went, no, that's, that's silly, Luke. Um, uh, Things that, I, that you just can't, oh, it wouldn't it be fun to do that? Maybe be a barista or something, something easy. Um, start a cafe, I don't know. Whatever it, it might be, there's these little things that, oh, I could do that, oh, I'd love to do that. And God's saying, you know God's saying, I know God's saying, no, that's not what I've called you to, Luke. And it feels like a bit of a sacrifice to say, okay, I'll leave that behind. I'll put that cloak aside and keep following Jesus because he has better things for me when it comes down to it. It's usually something we have to lay aside if we're going to step through the threshold moments that God gives us um, into the God dreams, not just the me dreams and the me ideas, into God's best for us. A couple of months ago, um, I, I heard someone share a journal entry that they had written um, about threshold moments and why they are so important. And this really, this really gripped me, this little piece of prose. I shared it in the Tuckerbag um, newsletter a couple of months ago and want to read it again now. Uh, it'll be up on the screen as well. Threshold moments are equally beautiful and terrifying. They have the capacity to make or break the vision. As you stand on the cusp of everything you ever did, hopeful, you survey the land that now lies before you. Your eyes tracing the intricate shapes that settle on the horizon, too good to imagine. This 
is what has been stirring for so long. This has been the cry of your heart for years, hidden deep down, but now here it is, that first glimpse of dream-turned-reality, within reach, right before your very eyes, so nearly there. And as you stand at the threshold of everything you've ever dared dream about, with that cocktail of excitement and fear rising in equal measure, that other voice kicks in. The one that gently tells you to take a step back from the threshold. It whispers to you that passing through that door will have its costs. It's too good to be true. Or even worse, what lies in front of you is all a mirage and you'd be foolish to walk through. It will disappear as soon as you enter, the voice says. It's better to survey the land from the doorway, to distance yourself from it just in case, to stand at the threshold just watching. It's better to quietly let the dream die now before sacrifices are made, bridges are burned, and there's no safe way back. Threshold moments have power. Many see them as the end of a long journey. They finally glimpse what their hearts have longed for, but they stop exhausted and find themselves settling in the doorway to all they've hoped for, never actually crossing through and taking hold of it. Tired and exhausted, they find contentment in the reasoning that they've made it this far, that they can see it from a distance. But the truth is that these threshold moments are just the start of the adventure. They're only just the beginning. So step in, take courage and move forward. You've been called for such a time as this. Maybe there's a moment or a decision that you've made before or you know is coming that resonates as you read that. Um, I want to humbly suggest that we as a church community are in a threshold moment. And that maybe we've been in one for about four years. What I mean by that is that when we stepped into this building, almost four years ago to the day when it was opened, uh, we didn't step into the promised land, which is kind of the narrative we were using, you know, Israelites through the wilderness, reach the promised land kind of thing. I think we actually stepped into a doorway, which actually was what the promised land was. But anyway, uh, we stepped into a doorway, a moment of peering over the horizon, to the destiny that God really has for us. Not a building, but a mission. I I actually believe that this milestone that we reached September 2015, four years ago, was actually the beginning of an adventure. But it was a beginning that we were so tired getting to that we found contentment in just seeing the possibilities that lied ahead and just seeing them from a distance. I want to ask, what if God is calling us further? What if if God is calling us into places and spaces that might be unknown and scary and even painful and that we haven't reached yet? What if he's calling us to plant new churches? Would that take sacrifice? Yeah. Would that be painful? Absolutely, very. So do we then say, well, it would be better to find comfort in the fact that we can see the possibility and that's enough, but not take risks to make it happen? Well, I don't know. Is that what we want? 
Maybe it's about uh, other things like what God has planned for the rest of our land out here. Some of you know is a conversation and a discernment at the, at, at the minute. Uh, to trust him for provision for what might come next or to let it go or both somehow. What, what would it take? What is, what if, whatever God calls us into, what kind of faith might it take to step into it? I think that individually and corporately, stepping into God's will usually means risk. It usually means sacrifice and uncertainty. But God gives us these moments, these threshold moments as an opportunity uh, to trust him and to keep trusting him. Now, I don't know about you, but um, as we think about these kind of times in our life where God says, you know, step out in faith, step out onto the water, whatever analogy you might want to use. You may feel, as an individual, that you have faith, that you are the sort of person where you see the opportunity, you thrive on risk, and you're like, come on, let's go for it. This will be an adventure. There's probably a few people like that in the room. Uh, for me, on the other hand, I found myself reading this, studying this, and, and preparing this message and asking myself, how did Jesus do it? Because I don't feel like I have that same kind of courage. What gave him the courage? What gave him the confidence to step into Jerusalem, to step into such a daunting, painful calling? I don't think I've got that kind of courage. So what is it that Jesus had that I, did, that I didn't? How did he do it? What did he have? What, what helped him in that that discernment, that process, making that decision. And I was asking myself this all week. What, did you, what was it about Jesus? Because it's not just, oh, well, Jesus was God. Of course he could. You know, Jesus was fully human. He wrestled as we read. He said, Father, do I have to do this? And I was asking myself, without a real clear answer of, oh, that's what it was, until Thursday morning where I was, I was reading my, my daily reading for the morning, um, which is not connected to, connected to my preaching plan. It's a totally different thing. And it just happened to be, the reading I had for that morning, it happened to be Jesus' approach into Jerusalem from John's Gospel, a different, a, a different version of the story. And uh, I'm reading through this, and I'm going, oh, this is interesting. And I, I'm reading through this, and I realize this is it. This here shows how Jesus had the strength to move through the threshold moment into the next stage. Because Jesus says these things, two things. Firstly, this bit we read before, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. What does that mean? How did Jesus have the strength, the courage, the confidence to trust God and step into Jerusalem? It was his purpose. He knew it was his purpose. If you don't know the purpose you have in the things God calls you into, you may never be willing to trust him and step forward in faith. What has God put you on earth for? What has he made you for? What is your purpose? If we can answer that question, we have everything that we need to have the confidence and the courage to step into the things God asks of us. I'm not talking about has God made you to be a banker, accountant, a nurse, a pilot, an engineer or a musician or anything like that. I'm talking about has God wired you first and foremost to sit alongside others and walk with them in their, in their faith? 
Has he called you with a specific gift to, to share the good news of Jesus with those who don't know him yet? Has he called you to create systems and structures that will help people to experience the presence of God? Has he uniquely gifted you to, to hear and sense his heart and his voice and help others do the same? All I'm talking about is some of the spiritual giftings, the gifts uh, in, in some of the New Testament. And we have to do whatever we can to know our purpose. Go to those passages, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans something, I think. Um, ask somebody you know, where to go if you need to. To go, what is it that God has purposed, gifted, created me for? Because when we know that, when we can say like Jesus, this is the reason I came, this is the reason God has me here, he gave him strength and courage to step forward and it does the same for us. So that's the first thing. But Jesus also said this, Father, bring glory to your name. And then the Father responded, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. There's only one way we'll ever be able to go against the grain and leave behind the comforts of affirmation of the majority. And take steps of faith that require sacrifice into God's will. And that's if we find joy in God being glorified through our lives. If we go to the next slide. This is what Jesus did. He found joy in glorifying God and pleasing God. In every step, if we can do this, if we can say, and I'm kind of now paraphrasing what Jesus said, I want to please you in this, Father. I want you to be pleased and glorified in what I do. And if we can hear the Father saying back to us, my child, I'm already pleased with you. And because you want to please me, you are pleasing me already again. I'm already pleased with you. I'm already glorified in you. And I'll be glorified in you again. If we can hear that, that is enough. If we, if we know that's what the Father's saying to us, he's already pleased with us, we can take risks, we can accept things that feel like failure, we can make sacrifices knowing that our Father in heaven is already pleased with us. And it pleases him all the more when we're willing to trust him. Do we know that? Jesus was willing to enter his Jerusalem because God, his Father, had called him, purposed him for that, so he knew his purpose. And... His one desire was to please God, who was already pleased with him, was already glorified in him. It's not about trying to please God and saying, God, am I good enough for you? That misses the point. That's religion, not relationship. But when we know that he's already pleased with us, we, we live our lives finding joy in pleasing him and finding joy in fulfilling the purpose he has given us. And that frees us from anything that might hold us back in threshold moments. So I want to finish today by asking, where, where are you at? Uh, it could be one of a few things. One is um, that, having thought about this a little bit today, you might know very clearly what is a threshold moment, a key decision in your life right now, where there's an opportunity in front of you to step into something new or to take a risk and you've sensed today that just this last half an hour has been God nudging you saying, take a step, say yes. 
So maybe it's a very, it might be a very distinct thing for you, and you're like, okay, God, this is confirmation. Um, all you need to do, other than actually doing that and journeying with that with others, because it's always helpful to get other good Christian people around you to go, you know, is this is this from the Lord? But other than that, it's just to say, may God be glor- may you be glorified in this, Father God, no matter what, and just step in. If that's you, I, I pray that you have the confidence to do that from today, knowing God's already pleased with you. You're not going to mess up the relationship you have with him, but to take a step of faith and to trust him. If that's not you, though, if, you're not, if there's no distinct do I or don't I opportunity in front of you right now, and you're going, I don't know how this applies to me, I think it might apply even more. And I want to suggest that this morning we create a threshold moment. We create this decision, this distinct opportunity. To say right here, right now, is to be a moment where you decide either, okay, I'll keep my cloak on or I'll lay it down and follow Jesus. Uh, Why not make this moment today an opportunity to say, no more to just cruise control, normal life, going with the flow, and actually say, you know what, I'm willing to step into your purpose for me, God. Even if you don't know what that is. There's no distinct thing. There's no kind of, oh, do I leave this job and go, go there? Or do I sell my house and go? Even if there's no distinct thing, there may be nothing distinct, nothing concrete that you're saying, to, that you're saying yes to other than openness to God. You know what, I think it's actually harder to say yes to God when you don't know the specifics of what you're saying yes to. When you're just saying, God, whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, whenever you want, that's what really takes faith. And to stick with that attitude and to stick with that decision. But that is actually the nature of stepping through these kinds of threshold moments and into God's hands. It's unknown. It's risky. It's out of your control. And I'm suggesting that we actually create that moment now and ask, will you say yes to God? No specifics around it. Just yes, God. Firstly, if you're a follower of Jesus, would you say yes to whatever God will lead you into next? If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you sense that you need to give God a chance, despite the doubts, will you say, yes, I'll give you a chance? And this is between you and God, and I'm not going to take any survey or anything like that. I just want to pray that if you're saying yes to God this morning in whatever that looks like, a distinct thing, a general yes, or a, okay, I'll give you a chance, God, and I'll choose to follow Jesus that I just pray that he will show you the next step this morning. Can I get the musicians to come up um, before we close in worship? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you are in control and that we can make a choice this morning to say yes to you, even if we don't know the specifics. God, sometimes these decisions to follow you uh, have no specifics around them. We don't know exactly what it means. And in fact, Lord, in praying this morning, I sense that uh, for so many of us, the decision is not so much about whether to do something that will produce an outcome, 
but to look inward, to look at our lives and to say yes to letting you shape our character and to say yes to letting you deal with some things in our heart that may not seem to have an effect towards others, may not seem to affect our relationships and our own sense of worth. But these internal things, what are deep in our soul and in our heart, are important to you. And so, Father, I pray that this morning, whatever we are saying yes to, if we are, that we would be willing to, for that to be about something uh, private, just between you and I that we'd be willing to open ourselves up to you shaping our character and dealing, dealing with those little things that, that are not what you want in our heart and in our lives. Father, I pray that if there's distinct decisions of, of, uh, of, of changing a, a job or a house or, a, 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 or some, something like that, that you would give us the confidence and the courage to step into um, whatever it is that you're saying and calling us into. But if it's nothing distinct, if it's just an openness to you and where you're leading, Lord, I pray you would help us to say yes now and to keep saying yes. Thank you that you place these moments in front of us, these decisions to follow you. And I pray all the more, Lord, you'd give us the faith that we need to continue to trust you, even into pain and to sacrifice and risk. Pray these things in Jesus' name.